Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And Jesus said to his disciples, when you have done everything that you were told to do, simply say, we are unworthy servants, and we have only done our duty. And this is the very word of our God as it is found for us this day in Luke chapter 17. You know, every one of us here uh, likes praise and recognition. We like it when someone pats us on the back or gives us a high five for what we've done. You know, as a kid growing up on the farm, I always craved my uh, father telling me that I did a good job, whether it was cultivating corn or feeding the livestock or even plowing. But you know what? I, I, I just don't remember my father ever telling me that I did a good job. You know, just before he died, he told me that he was uh, proud of me and that he appreciated uh, the work that we did together on the farm. But he never told me uh, that while I was growing up that you did a good job. Uh, so when he told me that just before he died, I was kind of shocked, but... I also knew deep down he really was grateful. Now, some people would suggest that uh, my father was hard-hearted, that he was ungrateful uh, or insensitive, but, you know, in retrospect, he was none of those things. I think what he was trying to teach me is this, that you don't always need uh, praise for simply doing what is expected of you. Well, in today's gospel lesson, Jesus waves the red flag, so to speak, against those who crave praise and recognition. And why does he raise the red flag? Because he knows his disciples, and he knows us. He knows our human sinful nature. Jesus waved the red flag, not only to keep our sinful egos in check, but to destroy our pride. And not only that, but also to encourage us to follow him, to serve him. And as we serve him, that we would serve him in humility. In fact, that's a perfect example of how Jesus served. Remember that other passage from Scripture which says he came not to be served, but to what? Serve and to give his life as a ransom for us all. But why did the disciples at this particular time why did they need a reminder about humility? Because Jesus was calling them to ministry, was calling them to service, and Jesus knew that at times ministry would be difficult. Sometimes it would be just downright dangerous. But he also knew the dangers of an ego, an inflated ego. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning and you want to follow along with me, we're in Luke chapter 17, beginning with first, the first and the second verse. Now this particular verse has always made me nervous, to the point that in my office I have this grindstone or this millstone. How does the verse go? Something like this. Uh, be careful that you don't lead a little one astray. Be careful that you don't cause a little one to stumble in their faith. Because 
If you do, it would be better for you if you had a millstone tied around your neck and you were thrown into the depths of the sea. Well, you know, there are many ways in which we can lead a little one astray. We can do that by setting a bad example for them. We can do that through our words and our actions. And we can do that when we uh, fail to point them to their Savior from sin. Again, there are many ways in which we can lead little ones astray. Here we see the anger of Jesus burning against a person who would cause a little one to sin. You know, for a long time, as I read this particular passage, I always thought it referred to little ones. Literally, little ones. Like little children. But the context of this particular section of Scripture, Jesus here is really referring to little ones as those who are new to the faith. Whether that person be uh, two months old, 20 years old, or 100 years old. And how sad it is when Christians live and act like pagans. And young believers see the hypocrisy in this and they are tempted to do what? Give up the faith. So Jesus pronounces a woe against a person who leads other Christians astray. So he says to us who are mature, hopefully in our faith, he says, watch yourselves. Watch your words and watch your actions. The other thought occurs to me is that new Christians are a prime target of the devil. The devil never fights fear. First he goes for the easy pickings. How dare we cause a new Christian? How dare we cause a little one in their faith to stumble? You know, how many times have uh, we been or heard people who are quick to say, you know, if that's the way Christians act, if that's the way they treat one another, then I don't want any part of the Christian faith. Again, watch yourselves. Go on. Take a look at now at verse 3. Here Jesus addresses the question, what should a believer, what should a disciple do when he becomes aware that another Christian is sinning? Again, should I talk to the person next door? Should I talk to everybody else? Anybody who will listen? Should I tell other people about that person's sin? Absolutely not. Here Jesus tells us instead of gossiping or harboring ill feelings toward that person, Jesus tells His disciples to do what? To correct them. The King James uses a very strong word here. Instead of correct, it says what? Rebuke him. Now rebuke is an interesting and a powerful word that we don't use much today. It sounds like a really negative word, but the nuance of this word in the Greek literally is a truthful but gentle admonition. It's the same thing that St. Paul says when he says, speak the truth to others, but always speak it in a spirit of love. But you know, we have to admit that uh, we don't like it when other people correct us, do we? And generally when someone 
corrects us, more often than not, we are tempted or we say it's none of your doggone business. But as a believer in the body of Christ, out of Christian love, it is the business of believers to be concerned not only about a person's physical well-being. We'd certainly warn someone if they were about to step out in traffic how much more important it is for us to be concerned about one another's spiritual well-being. And we ought to thank God for the people in our lives who do the same thing for us. The third verse goes on and it says, If your brother repents, forgive him. If you repent, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in one day, and comes back and repents seven times, again, you must forgive him. Now this is really tough, isn't it? Though sin is serious... And though it should not be taken lightly, it is not a reason to withhold forgiveness from the person who repents. Again, this is not easy. The disciples recognize this is not easy. In essence, they turned to Jesus and they said, Jesus, it's hard for us to be in the forgiveness business. So what did the disciples do? They do this amazing thing. They turn to Jesus. Don talked about in the children's message. They said to Jesus, Jesus, increase our faith. In other words, help us to forgive. This is exactly what Jesus did. He responded with encouragement. And even though the disciples were afraid, they know that their faith needs to be increased. What about your faith? What about my faith? Does it need to be increased? Absolutely. You know, a lot of times when I pray, I pray for uh, this or that. I pray for uh, material blessings and well-being of food and drink and all those other things and for physical protection uh, for my loved ones. But how often do we pray for an increase of faith? You know, whether or not our faith is big or whether it is small, it is a gift from God. And think about it this way. When we face difficult situations, even situations forgiving those who have thrown us under the bus, we can be confident that God will give us the kind of faith that we need to accomplish what He has called us to do. Now the next subject that Jesus addresses in this text is a temptation that is common to all of us. Certainly was a temptation that the disciples uh, faced on many occasions, and that is the temptation to have a big head or the temptation to cave in to an inflated ego. Take a look at verse 9. Here it says, Does the owner thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done everything that is commanded of you, simply say, Lord, we are unworthy servants. And we have only done what was our duty. Think of it this way. You and I constantly need to be on guard. Lest we begin to think that God somehow owes us for what we have done. To avoid this kind of pharisaical kind of thinking, 
Jesus told this parable. And the point of this parable is this. Our Lord is not insensitive. He is not hard-hearted. He is not ungrateful. But that we, even at our best service, we're in no position to make demands of God. The moment that we think that by our occasional doing of what God wants somehow merits us, uh, that God now owes us, we've forgotten who's who in the kingdom of God. Now think of it this way. Every blessing, every single blessing we have is the result of God's grace. You know, the other day, uh, Pam was in Ohio, and uh, we missed our devotions, and so since we didn't have the new portals of prayer, she said, well, let's do the one from yesterday. And if you read the portals of prayer a couple of days ago, this very verse was referred to. I should have read it before I wrote this sermon. Uh, but, uh, you know, think of it this way. We are servants uh, who have been saved by the blood of Christ. And we are privileged to serve. In the kingdom of God, there is no such thing as the Apostle of the Month Award or the Disciple of the Month Award for the disciple who has forgiven more sins than any other. And so uh, this particular passage, as Pastor Don said, deals with humility. Now, tonight at about 8 o'clock, uh, God willing, I'll be sitting in... Uh, in uh, the living room watching one of my favorite programs on television. It's some that maybe some of you don't like, but it's one of those old programs on the farming channel called Hee Haw. And, uh, you know, some of the songs on there, Gloom, Despair, and uh, then there's another one they often sing, Oh Lord, how hard it is to be what? Humble. Again, it's hard to be humble. You know, we have this inclination to be in the spotlight, to make us boastful and proud of all of our accomplishments. And I think that this is a temptation that especially clergy face. Hey, that was a great sermon. You know, last week, uh, thank you, Pastor Don, for filling in for me. Uh, I did a wedding in St. Joe. It was an outdoor wedding overlooking Lake Michigan. And when I got done with the service, uh, the soloist comes running up to me. And he says, the moment you opened your mouth, I knew exactly who you were, or who you are. You're the voice, you do the Notre Dame football games on Westwood One. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, man, I must be pretty good. I wanted to tell him... Uh, if I did football games, it wouldn't be for Notre Dame. <laughs> but seriously, you know, when somebody tells you you did a good preach there, Pastor Don, I know Pastor Don's going to say, I'm only doing my duty. I have good material to work with, right? Stick to the Word of God. It's not me. It's all about Jesus. Stick to the Word. You know, the amazing thing about this text is that we don't deserve to be forgiven. But God forgives us for Jesus' sake. 
He's taken the punishment that we deserve. All the times we have had an inflated ego. And though God owes us nothing, we owe Him in response everything. Our lives, our faith and action. And one last thing. This morning you and I were privileged to witness a baptism. God at work. God in action. You know, at a baptism... uh, We are brought into this eternal connection with Christ, with His perfect life, His sacrificial death, and His resurrection. Because of what Christ has done for us, we already are somebody. We are a child of the King, an heir of eternal life. And knowing this, knowing that we have this assurance that this insurance provides us with spiritual help, the help that we need, how confidently, therefore, we ought to pray every day, Lord, increase my faith. What a joy it is to serve the Lord and to humbly say, Lord, we have only done our duty. So let us, therefore, thank and praise Him for His goodness to us. In His name we ask it. Amen. We pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You again today for the great gifts that You give to us on deserving sinners. Where would we be without our faith? We pray, Lord, by by the power of Your Holy Spirit that You would use us, our humble servant, that we would follow Your perfect example in making a difference, an eternal difference in the lives of others. Lord, we pray and we ask all of these things in Your name and all of God's people said... Amen.